Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture and films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm. This is fun. Welcome to season two, everybody. Oh, I'm so excited. We're back. We're back like a friendly animated dinosaur from the early 90s. God, I love that movie. 1994. <laughs> Such a great movie. Son of a bitch. Anyway. We are back. We are I'm back. I'm excited. It's been forever. I know. Well, and we're back with a vengeance because we're taking your guys' request into consideration. And we're doing, finally... The 101 Dalmatians extravaganza. Yeah, this one goes out to Rob, who requested this, and who I want to say up front before we do anything else, you were absolutely correct. I don't know what we were thinking not talking about this. This shit has blown my mind. We're going to be here for probably <laughs> the next two hours discussing these fucking puppies. So buckle up. And, and thank you, because I'm really glad that we're doing this. Um. We, I'm, I'm not glad that we're doing this because I still have many problems with these stories. But I couldn't do these. <laughs> I really, I could not. When I thought about like who I would think would should be on this episode, I literally like the only person that came to mind was my very good friend Anna. Anna, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it because I really need your insight into this this cadre of nonsense. Well, I'd like to say that I advocated for you to cover this. For, i don't know she, the entire time you've i know podcast so <laughs> Dude, like from the beginning i think it was like one of the first questions yeah that's actually a good point damn it it is fun to pull out the temp pad yeah. and and go way back now into the, the 50 61 1961 yeah 1961 so yeah we have kind of gone backwards a little bit this is the first disney movie we've done in i think like two months actually like not including marvel and shit like that but or star wars because they were bought after yeah. but this is the first disney movie we've done in like think like two months and then yeah going forward in the timeline we're not gonna have that much uh, disney for probably about two months or something but we're gonna get right into it but i i need to ask the obvious question here and it's gonna go to anna first um why why this movie why 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 <laughs> why like th this is such a horrendous story like the this there's no she wants to kill these dogs i just i'm sorry i can't i can't get behind this as a heartwarming tale well i don't know if it's it's supposed to be as heartwarming as it is like like uh, a story all about puppies it's something that kids love to watch so it's going to be attention grabbing no matter what um regardless of the villain regardless of any of that kids are going to want to watch it and it can sell a lot of merchandise as well um which i think was a big a big selling point for all of the sequels things like that because it, it was a pretty big hit um but for me personally like i think i had only watched the animated one once before this weekend um it was Holy all shit, about are you serious yeah <laughs> it was all about the live action for me because once i saw the real dogs on the screen i didn't give a shit about the animated dogs <laughs> uh so from the beginning of time i've been 
animal crazy. So having 101 dogs or like, I think realistically it was like 230 dogs, but you know, as a kid, it's 101 dogs on your screen and the majority of them being puppies. Like it's just like, you're in awe the entire time. <laughs> you know, I, I rewatched the lot, li- both live actions for this and Cruella. And I will say like the puppies were pretty fucking cute. Like there was, it is fun seeing a lot of, of a lot of puppies like just just literally just hundreds of them piled on each other like it is it is pretty fun. So I feel you <laughs> like there's something to be said about this. Yeah, and as an adult like the villains are fantastic. Once you have like a more appreciation for the actors and actresses who are in it things like that like it just gets better every time I watch it. So I do love Glenn Close. I can't I can't sit here and say I'm going to be the one that's like shitting on this movie. Just like these movies all the time cuz I'm not. I do love Glenn Close, and I love that Mr. Weasley is one of the bandits in uh, the live action one, and uh, Dr. House is the other one. Dr. House, yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. The cast of that live action movie, honestly, is ridiculous. Like, it's... It's nuts. Yeah. I So, so let's run this down, Um, because we are doing the Dalmatian extravaganza, so we're hitting on all of this shit tonight. And we're going to talk about 101 Dalmatians, the novel from 1956, the 1961 Disney animated movie, which in the Disney timeline comes between Sleeping Beauty and The Sword in the Stone. Two masterpieces. True, which both of which we covered, right? In the timeline, we skipped yeah, all the true. animal we just, movies. <laughs> I jumped over the animal movies. I mean, Dumbo made sense, but this was just like a personal choice. Dude, it literally has only been them, though. It's been Dumbo, it's been this one, the Aristocats, Aristocats. and Lady and the oh, Tramp yeah. are the only ones we skipped. Like, well, it's we weird, We did skip actually. all the animal ones. What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> except for the Jungle Book, I guess. But Oh, uh, I kind of wish we had. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, yeah. I enjoyed this more. I So, okay, so 1961 is the animated. 1996, we get Glenn Close's original live action 101 dalmatians then 102 dalmatians in 2000 101 dalmatians 2 patches london adventure the animated direct to dvd sequel came out in 2003 i fucking watched it guys i came i'm locked and loaded for this uh and then cruella (laughs) from 2000 from 2021 so there's an awful lot of dalmatian movies i mean it was a show on Disney Channel too. It had a it had its own. It was that was back when they were giving like every Disney classic its own show. There's two shows though. There's a modern There's one two? now too. Yeah, I didn't watch oh, either shit. of them because I just was dalmatianed out. No one has that kind of time. Two shows on Disney Plus. It's insane. I didn't know that. I actually also did not know that this came from a book until you had started talking to me about it. Yeah, I hadn't either. That was that was news to me as well. Oh, we're going to talk about the book. There was some crazy shit in the book. So, (laughs) so historically, we're in, we're going to focus on 1961 and talk about the original Disney animated, even though we're going to talk about all the iterations of this as we go through it. But for the historical context section of this, we're talking about 1961. So space race is on. USSR's Yuri Garrigan became the first man in space, giving them the lead Yuri in the Gagarin, space. But I'll Thank let that you. Go. 
Gagarin. <laughs> Dude, you know I'm okay with you, Kirk. I know you are with me. You know names. what my name I situation know. is always. You should always. In fact, please read this, Scott. There's there's like multiple <laughs> names in this. And I, I'm I shit you okay. not. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put some dramatic flair on this. No, I'm not. The space race is on. USSR's Yuri Gagarin became the first man in space, giving them the lead in the space race itself, followed by American Alan Shepard the same year. The CIA came off smelling like a turd in the Bay of Pigs. God, yeah, they did. This is my first, This might be one of my favorite fucking things you've ever written here. The slip and slide was let loose upon the world. And God damn it, if every birthday party I went to from age zero to like 12 didn't have a slip and slide. Fucking love slip and, and slide. And was made more dangerous by it. Oh, at, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Your mom didn't really check for rocks. Never. My mom never did. Those things got recalled eventually, along did with really? the skip it. Yeah, because they're dangerous as fuck. They were off the market for like 15 years. And then they redid them like to health and safety standards. But yeah. Yeah, don't they have like little pools at the end of them now? They're not just like a long tarp. Yeah, that just launches you into the dirt. Yeah, I think Hell so. Oh yeah. <laughs> now you have to make your own in the backyard. Anyway, JFK is inaugurated as the president and he's named Time Magazine's Man of the Year. Capitalism came to its beautiful peak with the introductions of ibuprofen, Lego building sets, Ken Cart. Ken has a last name. I'm reading this for the first time. Apparently. Shut the fuck up right now. Ken, the the Barbie doll boyfriend, has a fucking last name. And good for him, you know? He deserves... I I think Barbie has one, too, technically. Does that mean her name is Barbie Carson? No, they're not married. Barbie's like an independent woman. Please. Yeah, come on, Scott. Okay, all right, my bad. So yeah, whatever. but you know what? For as many wedding Barbies as there are, I'm sure there's just as many like recently divorced Barbies. Like Ken and ba- I choose to believe Ken and Barbie are not <laughs> newly married. single Barbie. Yeah, I believe that I choose to believe that they're not married. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But she has like a oh, it's her little sister. It was never her baby. It was her little sister. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Stacy's her little sister. It is Stacy, yeah. right? I have no fucking it's clue. Definitely Stacy. God damn and there's it. another one too, but I can't remember her name. This is getting out of hand. Uh, Trolls also was in this list. Six Flags, Black Friday. You mean like the event Black Friday started? Yeah, like the first time that like there was a Black Friday was in this year. That's insane to me. Yeah, this was a crazy year. I I just oh, fucking Denny's, dude. Denny's is the spot when you're drunk at night with your friends. I know. And it was in its current form. 61 was its first year. Like it existed under a bunch of different names, but it assumed the formal name Denny's in 61. And the the two biggest things here, the introduction of Pampers, which not just Pampers, the big brand of diapers, but the first disposable diaper came on the market in 1961. So before that, people were washing diapers, which is rough times. That's so, awful. That sucked, dude. Yes. So important context here. And then what I found fascinating, C.S. Lewis nominated J.R.R. Tolkien for the 1961 Nobel Prize for Literature, and they rejected him because his writing had, I quote, not in any way measured up to storytelling of the highest quality. Wow. They can go fuck themselves. Talk about putting your foot in your mouth. Dude, for real. Fuck off. Like Nobel Prize. The man made his own language. What the fuck more start storytelling do you want? 
He had to write a book to explain what happened before his book. Like what? It's the stupidest the thing that's ever it's heard. Not enough, ever I heard. guess. That's so not good dumb. enough for Nobel. I hate them now. <laughs> I know. I just, well, I so, so so like fuck them, right? At least the yeah. 1961 board. Um, tell me about. The about the Oscars. So the Oscars 1961, the best picture was The Apartment, which I feel like we're going backwards again because I don't know what this is. I feel like that too. <laughs> yeah, I just now we're behind again. Um, Glenn Close did get nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical in the 1997 uh, Golden Globe Awards for Dalmatians. Uh, and I'm gonna let you. Golden Globes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, because I'm, I'm saying, like, we could speculate about the validity of a Golden Globe nomination all day, but I did like Glenn Close's performance. Like, not to say that I don't think that she deserved that. And, um, <laughs> apropos of everything going on right now with the Globes, Andrew Garfield just got uh, Best Actor for Tick Tick Boom. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's no, I mean, there. I there there definitely is, but there's also like the reason that they didn't air the awards is because of the like corruption. Oh, and, I know. Yeah. And the, like, the nomination. So I was like, oh, congratulations. She got nominated for a globe. <laughs> for a globe. What do you fucking do? But still cool that like that movie got another a couple other not so notable nominations too, and a couple of things like they got noticed at the globes, which is cool. Well, that's good. At least you're like getting picked up for it. Um, speaking of picked up, uh, this was yet again, another instance of Disney saving themselves on like a gamble of a movie. Again, the, the top grossing movie of the year was West side story, which shout out to my mom for making me watch that. And not, it's basically just Romeo and Juliet, the musical, but Mm -hmm, pretty much funny that it's out right. Like that it's in this year's oscar run sort of i think it's not getting a lot of attention i don't think yeah it's it's out right now again um but yeah so we are yet again in another situation where putting all of their eggs in the sleeping beauty basket has thrown disney into this financial turmoil like so sleeping beauty cost them way too much money and they were like about to shut down again which so all through disney they're just like on the verge of total collapse like leading up to the renaissance like this whole thing has just been disney fucking up and they make Sleeping Beauty and it's beautiful and it's amazing and critics love it, but it doesn't make any money, right? And it costs them everything. So that, like 101 Dalmatians coming out afterwards stopped the studio from shutting down. And a lot of it came down to xerography, which shout out to Rob, our fan who requested this, who mentioned this, and I looked into it. So when we talked in like the Robin Hood episode and some of the other stuff we've done in the end of the Silver Age and in the Dark Age, and we talk about like the pencil animation, those really thick lines. Yeah. Xerography is what causes that. And it's the it's the actual name of the animation style that we just never talked about, right? Because we didn't do fucking Dalmatians because we skipped the important part. Okay. Yeah. So it used Xerox machines, and that's why it's called Xerography, that were specially designed for film. They were like, can we do what we're doing with paper, but do it with a film reel so that we can replicate 101 dogs, right? And I think people have watched it and said it's like way more than 101 dogs, right? It's like 200 and something dogs in some of the scenes. But the reason that you get those heavy lines is because it's effectively a photocopy. And so it was super cheap, but it like looks kind of terrible. 
And so it was a lot cheaper than what they did with like Lady and the Tramp, for instance. And also obviously cheaper than Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. But it gives us a shitty kind of look, right? So they use this all up until The Little Mermaid. This won't go away until 1989. And this was the first movie where they used it. That's... I wish we had... Okay, just for that alone, I wish we kind of had covered this now. Because that explains so much about what came after this. Yeah, because everything just went to shit, right? This was like the very... Is Dalmatians still in the Silver Age? Let me look. I think so, because I'm pretty sure the Silver Age ended with uh, Robin Hood. uh, Silver Age ended with the Jungle Book, so we are still in it. Um, Oh, okay, so either way. The Sword in the Stone, Mary Poppins, and the Jungle Book are the last Silver Age things, and then you get the Aristocats and forward. So Aristocats, Robin Hood... Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, Pete's Dragon, Fox and the Hound, Dark Cauldron. That's all the Dark Age where they are still using the geography, including Oliver and Company. You can see it in Oliver and Company, too, even though that's 88. And that's like they use it all the way up. And okay, that's yeah, that's kind of crazy. Think about Oliver and Company, right? It looks like that. That's a good point. Yeah, that is a super old looking movie. Yeah. And then The Little Mermaid in 89, they changed it. Damn, that's crazy. Did dude. you put DuckTales the movie on this fucking timeline, Scott? No, I didn't. But that's Some, awesome. Somebody I did, did not put that on there. That's fucking crazy awesome, though. Yo. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the full list of like all. The oh, movies, Jesus Christ. Not the timeline. Okay. I was like, did you put this on here? What the fuck? No, it's stuck. It's never mind. Anyway, well, no, I don't give a fuck about DuckTales other than the, the theme song is a banger. It, it is. Okay, but we digress, though. Yeah, sorry, we digest. Um, so here's the other thing that I think is really interesting, and we this is in both of your notes. The warning on this movie is the first absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, notoriously warranted smoking warning. I'm going to call you and remind you about Pinocchio, but other than that, yeah. No, no, I know, but this is, like, absurd. Yeah, it's throughout the entire movie. Someone's smoking something. It's crazy. Yeah, tell me what what your take was on this, Anna. Um, I don't know. So, growing up in the 90s, like, you don't think about it when you're watching a cartoon and they're smoking because you go to Denny's and you're sitting next to people who are smoking in the booths. And as a kid, it, like it didn't even, I didn't even notice it. Like it wasn't even a thought, but rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, Oh my God, these people are disgusting. Like they are always have something in their mouths and Roger's constantly lighting his pipe and just flicking his matches wherever. Like he flicks them in the park and just littering all over the place on his floor in this, it was awful i'm so glad i am not the only one that noticed that he just throws that fucking match in the park i'm like dude (laughs) what this is borderline like and this could have been a fire i know i'm just just thinking about this like realistically he just does not give a shit well and he's got like that giant ashtray full of is it's full of matches right in his house i think it's matchsticks yeah, and like I couldn't tell for a second. I thought it was cigarette butts, and I was like, "My boy's smoking a That's pipe and this many butts." Like this is a lot of smoking, and I used to smoke a lot, and 
Roger, I'm like, fuck me. Him and Cruella both, like, they're smoking a lot of cigarettes yeah, and pipes. Cruella is constantly smoking. Like, she puts a cigarette out. First of all, I have a serious problem around this era with the way that food is drawn because it looks so good. And the cake that she puts the cigarette out in. Oh, that's upsetting. You ruined that. It looks so awesome. Fern Gully is a really good example of this. And when we get to Fern Gully, I'll explain why. But they're sitting in the cab eating a cake. And I'm like, that's the most delicious looking cake I've ever fucking seen in my life. And it's not even real. That's a sin, too. Like, I've used a lot of, like, inappropriate apparatuses as ashtray in my time. And food is never one that I thought was appropriate. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of absurd. Always, always yeah. soda cans and bottles soda cans, yep. and stuff. Yeah, because there's always like, that do... little bit of liquid in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but not, not cake. Not perfectly good food. What I thought was really interesting about it in this movie is like the way that they use it as coding for the good and evil characters, right? Because they both smoke, Corella and uh, and Roger. But they code it as like pipe good, cigarette bad. Like the smoke that yeah. comes off Corella's cigarettes is green and nasty and awful. And not so Rogers, right? Rogers is like calm and sophisticated and like Well and they they do that with a lot of things in, in these movies. Like the green for whatever reason is like the symbol of nasty growth. Yeah, like you smell evil. like trash and shit. Yeah. Yes, disgust, right? Wait, like, for evil? Hold on, wait, hold on, for evil? Well, Ma- Maleficent, like... Oh, right, okay, I was yeah, like... Yeah, 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 so there's there's a very clear um, coding for, for green not being anything pleasant. Okay, I get... Okay, that makes sense. I think it's interesting that they are, like... I guess what I'm saying is that when this movie was made in the 60s, smoking was so ubiquitous that smoking isn't the thing that's coding Corella as bad. It's smoking cigarettes. They're saying, yeah. what are you smoking? And that's what, how we're going to code it. And we're going to like, and I think that's like fascinating that everybody smokes so much. It's not the character that smokes is evil. It's like, because you see that in other movies, right? That's the thing in yeah. other one, It's, uh, what is it? Like, it just, it portrays smoking is always bad up to this point. So it's, it is interesting to have that differentiation between pipe, like the smoking a pipe and then cigarettes. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt bad for Corella as like a former cigarette smoker. Right. I was like, it's, it's much nicer. Like it's, there's a, you know, I just felt like really felt some kind of way about that. <laughs> I can't believe you I just said I felt Cruella. bad for Corella. I know for a second. Well, I'm like, you know, it's also there's a cat making so much noise right now. I'm going to take this toy away from her. Talk to us about the parks. Yeah. So it, there's nothing ever in the park about them. I, I, which I get because it's kind of hard to make a Rennie kind of ride about this, but she, I think shows up in one of the shows. She doesn't show up in phantasmic. Um, and I think sometimes she will show up in the parades, but yeah, there's, there's no Disney presence other than like toys or like the porcelain figures in main street, like shops and stuff. 
And it's weird because she's such a popular villain. And like Anna said, the puppies are so popular. Well, yeah, and that's what I meant. Like they that it was all about selling the merchandise for it. I don't think we needed a ride. Like this couldn't have been like the Peter Pan ride or the like the Mr. Toad ride. You couldn't just ride through the story of this movie. I mean, you could though. I would disagree. The like the whole underground railroad concept and like we're running away from Cruella. Like you could totally have a run away from Cruella dark ride. Yeah, they definitely could have done like a escape from Deville Manor sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think I there's tons of opportunity. And I it's it's weird that they don't like it's I mean the only thing that I could think of was the Pongo parking lot at Anaheim. Like straight up. Oh yeah. <laughs> I parked there once and I remember parking there in like 2012. And thinking, who the fuck is Pongo? And it took oh me a God. second. Because, <laughs> I mean, this is one of those movies that, that was a long period in my life where I didn't. Like, I hadn't watched this in decades. This no, is... that's fair. I honestly, I remember Pongo, but I forget Perdita's name all the time. I don't know. They just, it, it's, I thought that like, oh, they don't say it much during the movie. But no, they say it like a lot. They say Pongo like every five seconds. <laughs> I know, like, even when he has the kids, he's like, Pongo, you old rascal. And I'm like, dude, this dog is, like, drunk on knocking up this dog. (laughs) Yo, that was the funniest line in the movie, though. Like, he said, so he says, Pongo, you old rascal, when the puppies are being born, right? And there's, like, so many of them. And he's like, oh, you horny fuck, look what you managed to pull off. And then when they show up at the end, and he, like, Roger, like, legit thinks that Pongo got Perdita so knocked up that there's just an additional <laughs> five puppies or whatever. I'm like, what? <laughs> How long? Okay, I need to ask this before we continue. How long are the dogs gone? How how long are they away from, from the house? Same yeah. question with all of these movies. Like, the timeline, like, the time frames just don't, don't match up with their reactions and and shit like he's in the animated one he's already sold the song and they're stupid wealthy now and they live in the countryside well no they've st- they're still in the oh apartment. no they stay they're gonna move in the countryside they're yeah for the dalmatian plantation which we'll discuss and they make it seem like it's like a couple of days tops yeah to get back. It, it seems like they've been gone like a weekend to go find these dogs so did he just get the call on the day that they left and was like, you're a millionaire. Well, and he would have had to write all the lyrics and like, he seemed really distraught and it, it really makes it seem like it's a long time, which like Pongo and Perdita's adventure doesn't feel like it takes very long. But when we come back, it feels like it's been a long time in the books. It is like several harrowing weeks. Okay. So, yeah, it's and it and it's actually really fun. Like there's like a whole situation of them like trying to work out the logistics to get back to London and it's very like the Martha network on Handmaid's Tale. Do you watch that, Anna? No, Scott doesn't. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot like that and it's cool. It's like like what they show in the animated but just like way more in depth and there's like a bunch more dogs and there's all the situations that they get caught up in and it's like the book was actually really fun. Like I like the bones of this story, like the, the, the adventure back to get back to the city through all this bullshit was good. I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> Area homeward bound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fuck that's, yeah. That's, I would rather. That's my. Pro- I think that's the end of the day. That's what this is. I would rather watch Homeward Bound than this. I don't know why. I just think Homeward no, Bound is, is so much funnier. happier. This they is so much Homeward happier Bound though. That's in fair. The live action. Yes. It's on TV. Wait, did they really? Are you serious? Yeah, the dogs have like, it on TV. <laughs> I didn't fucking know that. Wow. Yeah, I'm they're seeing their collars or whatever out. they've got. They've got Homeward Bound on. That's hilarious. And the TV thing, I guess, while we're here, like this fixation on the television, that in the animated one, the puppies have it, and you see the live action puppies watching TV too. And and you see it in Cruella. Yeah, they do, right? There's and yep. so in the books, the TV thing is there too, but it's Jasper and Horace who and Jasper or no, Horace has a different name. I can't remember what it is, but they are the ones watching TV. And so it's like their fixation on the TV that allows the dogs to go outside where Pongo is and Perdita and be like, yo, like we need to make a plan. They actually like work together on a plan. There's like a couple of days where they're all at the, the Corella mansion or whatever, but they don't actually get out yet. It's like a whole situation. And they use TV time to like go out and scheme. And then when the bad guys consider like how they're going to actually murder the dogs and what the deal is and whether to do it, they're like, no, 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 we should do it because maybe it'll get us onto their favorite like true crime show. They were like, we could get on TV for killing. Oh all my these God. Are you kidding I, me? Dude? No. But demented. That's seriously ridiculous. But totally plausible, like with the way that uh, they, although Jasper 100% is an alcoholic. Like I just, that needs to be addressed. Yes. It doesn't get talked about, but he totally is. But I think we need to start. I, I like the animated one more than I like the live action one, despite loving Glenn Close. And I think the main reason is I like that the dogs can talk. I don't know why they chose in the live action one for the dogs not to talk. Although live action talking animals is very hit or miss. I think Homeward Bound works because they don't have CGI'd mouths. But I I don't right. I don't know. I just something about them talking makes it a lot more enjoyable for me. See, and I'm the opposite. Like, I, I, I see that you both seem to really like the idea that the dogs, like, of the dogs talking. But I love the idea that these are just normal dogs. You know, like, like as a kid, these are just dogs. Like, these, this, this could happen with my dog. My dog could be so smart that he can start my shower and make my coffee and, you know, all of that. So it was, it was really cool as a kid to see normal dogs doing all of this cool shit. And I met your dogs. It could not do any of that. Ever. Dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love this interpretation of it, though. Like, that, 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 that they would just be regular dogs. And, I mean, I guess the reason that I want them to talk is that I like that original conceit from the 61 movie that is from the books, too. That the animals are the real owners. And Pongo's the narrator, and he's trying to find a mate for Roger, and Roger's his pet. And like that perspective, I feel like that necessitates them talking to get that across. And that's like, that's what I really like about the lore here. And I like how like Pongo's looking out the window and there's all the 
the matching dogs and people and everyone has a dog of the opposite sex like it's i loved it you know what it made me think of though uh is because i haven't watched this in a while uh it made me think of that scene from i love you man where Jason Siegel is talking to Paul Rudd about how people will buy dogs that look just like them. And he starts pointing people out on the boardwalk that look like their dog. It's fucking hilarious. It's 100% accurate. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I worked adoptions for years. And I can't tell you the amount of people who would walk out with a dog. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. That matches. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Is it like a thing? Like, are you doing it subconsciously? One hundred percent believe it's subconscious. Like it does not. It's you don't intentionally go in, you know, as some man with a flat face and a bald head and come out with a bulldog. But <laughs> it just bulldog. happens. Okay. That's so fucking funny, though. I That's buy funny. this too because I remember at my high school the teachers one time for like an assembly. You know, they all try and get together and do something funny, and they all came on with their dogs and it was like this and it was eerie. Like they tried to like dress similarly. Like they tried to, to do it up, but it was our, it was like, when you look at it that way. Yeah, actually like it is kind of eerie the way it happens. And I love the way they showed it in this. And then I like how all those dogs come back later for the twilight bark. Like we see, we kind of, Oh yeah. That they were all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we know these, the dogs who live around this part of London around where where are they uh regent's park aren't they at oh where they're out yeah regent's park yeah we know all the dogs around regent's park now i'm like all right cool we got a good like but i i like this like ending his like bachelor life and how it's just sort of understood that if roger gets a mate that pongo will too that he yeah that he gets perdita alongside it like but that's the, i think that was the other reason it worked for me is that wasn't his first thought right like he's Pongo doing it, for it he wasn't Roger. like i've got a like i've got an itch i got a scratch or whatever like damn no, he's, he's gotta take care of his pet yeah because <laughs> because roger's living in squalor right absolute filth totally poor just disgusting <laughs> Like, they like do that thing bad. in the background where nothing's even colored. It's just you see the drawings of, like, dishes and towels and, like, beat-up tile and shit all over the background. And then Anita arrives and changes his life. Yeah, Anita comes For, and takes care the piano is. Everything gets, like, yeah. all of the trash gets moved up to, like, the attic or whatever. Yeah, oh, they do yeah. keep his, like, piano room is also total squalor in the new house. It's true. Like, Roger just is a messy fuck, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I will say animated Roger was much more likable than the than the live action Roger. I agree. I totally agree. I don't Yeah. I don't get the choice to have Jeff Daniels be Roger at all. No, not at all. It was sort of apropos of the times. Like that was two thousand, right? The first No, ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. So we would have been coming off a dumb and dumber. Yeah, which is like, yeah, this was very much, this was very much a movie from 1996. <laughs> like, it was, it really was tough parts of it for me. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so hold on. I have a question now because I'm going through your notes. Perdita is not the dog's mom. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, so let's talk about this with Perdita. It's so, the, yeah, the book is. It's fucking wild. So it's like they have these puppies and then they say, okay, so first of all, like the Pongo's wife 
in the books is called Mrs. Pongo. And they just call her Mrs. So first of all, I'm really glad that they dignified with her with a name by making her Perdita. It was an adaptation choice that makes sense. But in the books, they are looking for like a wet nurse dog because they don't think that Mrs. will be able to make enough milk for all 15 of the puppies. Right. And they find Perdita, who is like abused and she ran away from her abusers, fell in love and got dog married in the park. And then she got dragged back home by the abusive people, had puppies from her dog marriage, because marriage in this book is just a very thinly veiled way of saying we fucked in the park, in Regina's Park. Awesome. And so then has puppies, the puppies get sold by her evil owner, and then she runs away looking for the puppies, and Anita finds her, like, hungry and fucking, like, ragged, and brings her home to be a wet nurse. I'm so glad we never saw any of that in the Disney version. That is yeah, no. that is horrifying. This is just a great um, example of why you should just just spay and neuter your dogs. Like, don't make them well, do this. Yeah, we're going to continue to come back to that. Hold on to that thought, but yeah, hold it at the forefront. Hold on mind. to your hats. Hold that. Hold that. Like as the moral of this whole story, and <laughs> but so that we all feel better about this situation, though. Perdita does not go on the adventure with uh, with Pongo and Mrs., but she does stay with, uh, God help me, but names, uh, the humans. Thank you, Anita and, and Roger. Roger. And her puppies wind up being a part of the stolen puppies. Like the, when they come back with the all of them, her puppies are part of that group. So she stays home, but she does reunite with them. And eventually they actually find her husband and, and his owners are just like, Oh, I see that he belongs with you and the other a hundred puppies or a hundred dogs. Right. It's one more dog. Yeah. He's, they just like, they run into them and they're like, yo, you clearly need one more Dalmatian around this shit out. Why don't you take ours? Clearly he would like to be with you. Literally. They just hand him over and he rounds out the 101. So if there's actually four adult, dogs in this story that like go to the that's crazy i know right that would have been a way different story yeah i mean and at the same time not really because they're barely in it it's like perdita's there for a little while and the husband's there in that very end like he's barely mentioned the narrator so they just turned mrs pongo into perdita they just gave mrs pongo perdita's name they didn't like the characters, oh, like nothing right. really okay, changes right. about Perdita's storyline. It's just that she gets a name. They just nixed the other two adult dogs entirely, but gave a name to Mrs. Pongo, which I really appreciate Disney doing because I'm like, Mrs. She's just called Mrs. through the whole storyline. But she's a fucking bad bitch. Like she's out there in the snow. Like they like she's there for it. She is in no way not cool, but she's just called Mrs. It's really too bad. Well, that kind of sucks. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, so I was glad to see that she gets a name in this one and uh, and is awesome. Like, Perdita is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, Pongo's the one that kind of attacks the... Perdita kind of goes in after him, but Pongo's the one that, like, attacks Horace and Jasper in the house. Pongo's a badass, no doubt. And Pongo's, Dude, like, smart. G. Yeah, I like Pongo. Yeah, maybe he should go added to the Disney Legends list. I think he kind of should, yeah. Why didn't he... we do this movie? 
I don't know. <laughs> I honestly like, don't know. Up. Like, Anna, what? what did I tell you about why we weren't doing this movie? Huh? I don't remember uh, what I even said. Like nothing. I was. Yeah. I heard in one of the other episodes you guys mentioned that you know not not doing the the animal movies, and I was like, Scott, what the fuck? And you're like, I don't know. That actually sounds I don't know exactly if we have a reason. I think we just like I think maybe we should just every now and then if we're if it's like a little bit Disney dry in the timeline, we can just like go back and pick up like we'll do <laughs> Lady and the Tramp later or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fair. I don't want to do the Aristocats. You can't fucking I make don't, me. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I also don't want to do yeah. Oliver and Company. If it's on the list, I'd vote now to not do it. <laughs> yes. I'm telling you guys that right now. You guys can vote this on Instagram all you want. I am not doing Oliver and Company. I'm Good. sorry. I don't want it. I know. If we lose no. listeners because of that shit, I that's fine. But I hey, I'm how about this? It. If we get Patreon requests from Patreon, yeah, that's fine. There you go. Yep. All right. If we get Patreon requests, I damn it, Lindsay. Why did you paint me in that corner? Like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shit. let's talk about uh, that old gossip chain. Yeah, this part. was sick as fuck, dude. I awesome like that costume. it got a name in the animated movie too, because you don't it it just it feels like it's a, a normal everyday thing that these Right, these like people, the dogs are all dogs, a part of it. Yeah, they're they're the clucking old hens who are, you know, gossiping amongst each other. Yeah, and they're like some of them are like, Oh, I haven't I haven't been on that in so long. I haven't listened to that old rag. Like it's like people go in and out of it. And I think it's something that you lose in the live action without the dogs being able to talk. I really do. Like we lose I can their agree perspective. Cause it's super cool. I just really like this this like underground railroad concept where they're all yelling ahead to each other and it's there's so much altruism in this story which we will fucking come back to because we're going to talk about pongo's religious experience from the book in a little while um i'm not kidding no and i called i called chris who's who is always sending us feedback right friend of the show who was my teacher growing up in middle school and who i'm friends with and i i called chris and i said i have a complaint i want to lodge a formal complaint about my education why did you not talk to me about this? Why did I not know about yeah. Congo's religious experience? And she's like, no, you're right. It's a gap. It's a gap. I'm like, what the fuck? We're going to come back to that. <laughs> come on, but, Chris. No, for real. On, I was like, I felt failed. But <laughs> like, I was like, why did no one make me read this? This is fucking crazy. So we'll I, talk about that like later. Is it like a well-known book? 1956. It's like, it's not. I feel like it would never be a book you'd read in school. Right. Like it's not like Catcher on the Rye or Great Gatsby or no, but Red I Fern mean, Grows. I would have expected these teachers to tell me about it. These are the teachers oh, who dressed okay. up and took me to Lord of the Rings in fucking cosplay the day it came Fuck out. Yeah, like dude. I would have expected these guys to like let me know about this scene. I really would have. This is the kind of thing that they that like we would talk about, like that they would point out to us in like the world. And I cannot believe okay. that this didn't come up when we were talking about like literary convention and you know and religion and literature like we're, we'll talk about it but it's fucking crazy but keep in mind the like the altruism of the twilight bark and these themes of the story because it actually has like the moral of the story in the book is like a religious moral it's like like explicitly i did not take that from this movie at all so I, i'm gonna yeah no, I, we're gonna need to I discuss that in, i see it in the altruism of the twilight bark and of the the way that the dogs are like they're in such a frenzy, I think in pretty much all the versions of this to like help the pongos, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they all kind of jump when they ask to to like get help and stuff. I mean, they like are drinking milk out of like off of cows. Like there's so many everybody's like putting themselves at risk and they're trying to like they in the animated you only see like this one night but in the book it is like weeks and all these different dogs who are like no i've sent word ahead to so and so and oh my god we didn't hear anything in the bark and we didn't know if you were coming but we got set up for you anyway and like it's it's just this whole system that i really really liked but the i think those altruism and like so, like really wholesome like religious values things that are in this story that like carry through it's crazy it's weird i didn't expect it anyway lady and the tramper in this scene <laughs> yes they are okay they totally are i'm glad that i'm not the only one that knows this because usually i'm the one that picks up on like easter eggs and shit but yeah they totally are and this actually started no it didn't i almost lied right there because bambi's fucking mom has been showing up everywhere in every movie that we have discussed just about that involves the out of doors. And Bambi's mom is everywhere. Sure. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I'm glad you saw it. Yeah, they're here and so is the the Scotty from Lady and the Tramp. Like a bunch of the dogs from Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, Peg Peg the Pekingese, uh, Jacques the Scotty. Yeah, Jacques. And in the live action, they... There's this, tell me about this, Anna, because I feel like you know this movie. Like, I watched it technically, but what they, ha- they like, do the the date scene. They, like, recreate it in the live action from Lady I and the Tramp. I have no recollection of that. Like You mean, like, the Lady and the Tramp date scene? Yeah, it's like the dogs are, like, watching the, like, the, oh, it's in the sequel. That's what it is. Okay, sorry. So it's in 102 Dalmatians, right? Which is like really bad. And in 102 (laughs) Dalmatians, the protagonist- Extraordinarily bad. No, like it's out there. Like I can't believe I watched this movie. And the the two protagonists are not Roger and Anita. They've like, those two actors were not like, no, thank you. They're like, fuck this And so whoever these two people are, they're like out on their first date. And they have like a thousand dogs between them, right? So they leave them together at one of their apartments and the dogs are watching Lady and the Tramp because it's like the TV theme, right? That's in all of these where the dogs are always watching TV. So they're watching Lady and the Tramp, but the two people are on a date, like having this happen, like they're eating spaghetti and it's playing uh, this the, the Bella Note song. Note. Yeah, because that's what kind of movie that is. <laughs> that's actually really funny and kind of makes me glad honestly it kind of makes me glad i never watched the second one i didn't Dude, i'm just gonna be honest with you, i did not watch the second one it's so bad i can't believe i watched it i really can't like i i watched i mean you're them. you're our official sequel watcher so yeah it's or straight cool. to dvd watcher it was i'm pretty sure this was straight to i don't think that movie saw saw a theater did it 102 the live action 102 dominations totally saw theatrical run yeah fuck that's too bad i saw it in theaters wait shut up anna you saw it in theaters yeah i like scott so you know me well enough to know how animal focused i am but take that and shrink it down into the body of like an eight-year-old girl and (laughs) the mind of an eight-year-old girl and that's like all my life was so my poor dad (laughs) to take me to all of the movies and including this absolutely horrendous no one should ever have to watch 102 Dalmatians. 
I just remember it was like she's reformed, right? And she tries to open a dog sanctuary or something, but then she ends up snapping. Yeah, yeah no thanks. That's going to be a super hard pass for me, dog. <laughs> no, it's like, it's really, really strange. And she's been like, they give her like neuro, like they give her, they actually show it as like a Pavlovian training because of the dog reference. But oh. They, yeah, they give her like a, con- they like condition her. They, like it's PETA in the Hunger Games <laughs> to like love oh dogs God. but then it's like she breaks her conditioning and she's like no I'm here to murder dogs and like so we'll talk about that because we're going to talk about Cruella but before before we talk about Cruella and speaking of straight to DVD sequels we need to talk about Patch and Lucky because I have a problem Why? with the writing in this like so I'm unclear why after Lucky's harrowing resuscitation in the first film, which is like a big part of every version of this. It's in the book too. It's in the live action and it's in the animated that Lucky is like the dead dog. And it's a whole, it's like a relatively long section of them resuscitating Lucky. Right. And he doesn't get the sequel or the screen time. It's like patch is the fucking hero of the day. Why what's going on? Why why isn't Lucky the dog? Wait, why is it important that this happens in each one? What is what is the significance of this? Just that Lucky is like the important dog. Like he's the important puppy. He has like a thing happen to him. The rest of them are all just like other than like Rolly's fat and Patch has a patch over his eye. And apart from that, that's it, right? Rolly's the best. But Rolly's my G. He's so funny. But like why when lucky is the one that gets all this attention why is it patch's london adventure is what i'm saying patch gets the sequel the animated sequel is about patch and why why doesn't lucky get even in the original animated more screen time like he doesn't do shit it's actually a really good question patch ends up being like this um very bold brave you know rambunctious puppy when if they just could have made that lucky and it and it might be because of he's very distinguishable with the with the patch over his eye which um you know it's very clever in the naming there we're we're all very impressed i know but yeah, for real i just i don't i don't understand it either i could not for the life of me i mean there was a video game that i used to play on like i don't know windows 95 um that was Escape from DeVille Manor and your patch in that as well. So like patch is just like this recurring dog, but there's nothing to explain why. And that's I don't get irritating. it. Irritating. And I'm behind you on this. Like, why is he not? Yeah, that's weird. I remembered even before I went back and watched this movie, I remembered how weird that scene was in the animated one of Roger just rubbing the dog in the, in the tower. Yeah. And it's in every version that and in the books, like to to Anna's point about Patch being visually distinctive, because I feel you, they call so in the books it's 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 slightly weird. It's like there's there is a Lucky in the books, and Lucky has like spots in the shape of a horseshoe on his back. And that's why he's called Lucky. Hate that. Yeah, I know. But there's a solution, right, to the 
to it not being visually distinctive. However, he's called lucky in the movie because he lives, right? And so it's weird because in the books, the dog that survives and has to get resuscitated, they end up calling the cad pig, which is the name for the runt in a litter of pigs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and it's a girl, and it does all of the things that Lucky does, right? And Lucky is just like this other dog that happens to be named. Like, he doesn't really do anything all that fancy. And I'm like... Well, that's kind of a letdown. Yeah, and then they gender swap her into the animated movie and the live action, right? The dog that gets resuscitated is Lucky. And Lucky is a male dog in the book, but the dog that gets resuscitated is female. And I'm like, so they gender swapped him, and... He doesn't get to do anything. And the whole thing just feels like I just wanted to call attention to like how fucking weird it is. Like I just, it's such a harrowing scene. Like why have it if that dog's not going to do anything later? And to the credit of the live actions, there is a whole side like adventure with Lucky escaping, right? It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Isn't he like the first dog that gets out? Doesn't he get trapped behind? No, he's, he's the one. Behind in the yeah, he's the one that yeah, they forget. Well, they, yeah, they they have to go, like, go back for him. He's the one that Jasper almost grabs. Yeah, I yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, he has like a whole side adventure, so he does get to kind of do something in the plot. But it's just really weird that like Patch gets to do everything, and Patch gets this like low hanging fruit bullshit Home Alone style sequel, and like it's awful. I mean, that makes sense why he's got. Or like why I never wanted to watch why I never wanted to watch this fucking sequel. But that still is like really shitty. It's like him and he meets up with the the dog that they're always watching on TV. Oh, the German Shepherd. Yeah. But he's like being fired from his show for reasons. Like, I don't know. And it's and they like Pongo is like unable to count all of the puppies. And there's like a running joke about Pongo's inability to keep track of the dogs and they move to the Dalmatian plantation. And then like Lucky's or no, it should have been Lucky Patch isn't there. Right. But they don't like realize this because there's 101 dogs and he just gets like undercounted Kevin McAllister style and has like an adventure. (laughs) That's so shitty. It's literally what happens. Like, Pongo's like, 101, 101, 102, 100. Oh, fuck. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we have everyone. Let's go to the plantation. So let me guess. At the end of this, the German Shepherd dog ends up joining them? At the end of this, I fell asleep, and I don't know. Awesome. That's actually the answer I was hoping. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure that Patch saved it. Because Cruella, like, Cruella in this one, like, also is... She's like not allowed to be around furs and she's supposed to be like rehabilitated and she's come out of prison and immediately she kidnaps the dogs again. And then I think it's, I think that like Patch rescues them because he's already in London and she like brings them back and he saves the day. And it's the whole thing is like, am I one of a kind or one of 101? And he asks Pongo this while Pongo's like asleep. And Pongo's counting in his sleep because all Pongo does is count. And Pongo's like, 101. And Patch is like, oh, no. And he freaking I'm not worth all. anything. Ah. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't okay. end up going with them. And it's it's very low-hanging fruit. It's not good. But, it's, but what I would have been, like, a lot more interested in here is, like, 
the sequel that's about how Roger and Anita afforded the Dalmatian plantation and like to spay and neuter all these dogs. Or there's no way. Yeah, that's insane. So then in that case, the sequel about how they didn't do that and they have 2025 Dalmatians, which is kind of what happens in the end of the live action, right? Yeah. So that should be the real warning on the beginning of this movie is like, hey, you need to spay and neuter your dogs or else you're going to be miserable. Like they should, they, these people should not be happy about having thousands of dogs to take care of because you just, you just can't like this. That's my qualm with these movies uh, as an adult. So totally. Well, <clears throat> isn't it like whenever a movie like this comes out, like uh, shelters and stuff will be like, we are not taking uh, this specific breed of dog because you're getting them only as a gift. They do that with bunny rabbits at Easter. It's yeah. So it's, it's very, very difficult uh, coming from the rescue world. Um, we saw it in like excess numbers with Huskies and Game of Thrones. Um, and that's not just something that, you know, PETA posts on their website to try to like discourage people from bringing home Huskies and things like that. But it's, it's a very real problem. And they did see a lot of issue with this um, after the live action is everybody wanted a Dalmatian. And unfortunately, when it comes to things like this movie or Game of Thrones, the capacity that these dogs have to work, they have to be extremely intelligent dogs, which I don't know how much dog experience you guys have, but extremely intelligent dogs don't always make really great house pets. No, I would imagine they're actually the worst pets. Yeah, they require a lot um, because they're so smart. And and when you're that smart, if you're not getting the mental stimulation and exercise you need, um, for a long time, Dalmatians were the number one owner bite dog. Uh, They bit their owners so often that they they gained this reputation because they were just pent up and frustrated uh because people thought they were really really cute and it was all because of this movie yeah it's true that i had friends growing up who had dalmatians and they were mean as fuck and it is it's the same thing with like german shepherds like they just have to be you have to be able to like give them what they need to not turn mean yeah. Well, that's what everybody yeah. says about just be, huskies. To be pent up and frustrated, and and huskies, that's a whole other topic. But yeah, yeah huskies he... are a separate issue. But, <laughs> but no, all, but but yes to all of those things, right? It's like I, yeah, I, yes to all of that, and they and as far as the shelters things go, it's yes to bunnies at Easter and also black cats at Halloween, and they just yep. won't, they don't let you adopt them. Like even if they have them in the shelter, they don't let them be adopted because they'll be right back in the shelter in like a month yeah yeah they come right back so yeah but i have two black cats and they're the very prettiest yeah i kind of like them they're pretty dope they're the best kitties but uh but yeah this really is a, a story in spaying and neutering your pets and i think my i have a theory based on 102 dalmatians as to what happens to the dalmatian plantation because in 102 dalmatians Roger and Anita aren't in it, but Dipstick is, which is one of the dogs from the first movie, right? He has like a all black tail. Yeah, he was always my favorite. Yeah, so Dipstick is the the new dad in this one, right? So what? Dips, Dipstick's owner has Dipstick and another Dalmatian and they have puppies, right? And then Cruella gets out of jail, you know, begin plot. And now <laughs> here's my question, though. It's like, all right. 
so what the dog probably lives like 10 years or so right like not having puppies for more than after it's six at the latest right like there's a limited window in which this dog is is like making puppies and so who's the new owner because dipstick's not with roger and anita and dipstick has to be pretty young still at this point to be having his ostensibly his first litter of puppies dipstick can't be very old so roger and anita their kids were like the same age as dipstick right so roger and anita's kids can't be more than three or four so the new owner isn't isn't part of the family so how is dipstick being owned by like this random woman and having puppies like presumably only a few years after the events of the first movie right when Corell is getting out of jail how much time did she really do and so my theory is that the dalmatian plantation failed fucking horribly and this is the result because you don't get the feeling they were going to sell the dogs yeah, it was just supposed to be a place for the dogs to, like, hang out for the rest of their lives, which doesn't make sense to me. It absolutely should have been a place for them to be like, hey, you want a Dalmatian? Come buy this Dalmatian. Mm-hmm. But not for Dipstick. You know, Dipstick didn't end up getting bought. There was no family life on the farm for Dipstick. He's with this random bitch. So what do we make of this? Like, I've, I think this means the plantation fails. Yeah, it has to. I it, mean, There's no way. It yeah. Succeeds. What a tragedy. Because you see them Hard at the way. end of the first the first live action that's what's so weird is like within continuity at the end of the first live action it's like for these puppies and their puppies and their puppies and then it's like nope cut to like six months later dipsticks having puppies in some bitch's apartment like i'm like what happened he would have had to have been writing like banger number one chart topping hits every day yeah he would have because like if he can write these songs and live in the in the like countryside that makes sense because He's just got all these dogs to feed, but if they're raising like a farm or whatever, they could probably do it. But then, then that, God damn it. Then this creates this like problem. Dogs are omnivores, which means they have, they have to have meat in their diet, which means they make friends with these like pigs or these chickens or whatever. And then it's like, Hey, where'd Fred go? I was like, Oh dude, you ate him for like lunch yesterday. Not much different than us though. So (laughs) so dark, but they can talk to each other. I can't talk to a chicken. I mean, I, mean, I could, could. But, yeah. I, talk I to mean, chicken. who's to say what what they know about what they're eating? I mean, it's a it's a fucking mess. I mean, and Rolly's out there eating like for like five of them, reminding me yeah, of Kevin. For real. Like Rolly's, man. I don't know, but I think the plantation fails. I think it collapses under the weight of its own ambition, and just like all the dogs get sold is what I think happened. For real. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that caused them to get divorced too. Well, that's awful. That's but also, you know, you know me. Hashtag Red Aja. Probably. Honestly, I'm just thinking of that fucking terrible movie I made you watch the other day. Uh oh, it they was came terrible. Together. It was funny though. Yeah, they came. That was like that was weird. I liked it though. It was funny. It was stupid though. Um can we get to the main event now? Can we? I'm ready. Take us in. Cruella de fucking Ville. What the hell? There is no consistency in these movies with who she is. In the animated one, um, she is Anita's friend from school. Which I don't get because she looks ancient. Like, I didn't know as much time had passed as the way she, as 
she looks old. Well, smoking those green cigarettes will do that That's to you. True. That's true. <laughs> I didn't think of that until you said that. Um, in the animated one, or in the live action one, she's a fashion designer and Anita's boss. So in the animated one, she's just like a really wealthy heiress snobby bitch. I don't know what she went to school for because she's not doing anything. And DeVille Manor is so clearly run down. Like, that part didn't make sense to me. If she's wealthy and shit, like, why is the manor, like, torn apart? Yeah, I, that part is, it is weird. And yeah, they say she's in, she calls herself in the animated sequel, she says she's an overfinanced heiress. Which totally tracks. And it, it gets carried on in the, uh, in Cruella. That thing gets that gets maintained in Cruella because she's the the biological daughter of the Baroness, right? She's the real heir to the Baroness's title, yeah. And yeah. the other so she lady doesn't grow up with it. No, yeah, no, she doesn't grow up with it at all. Um, I mean, obviously that's what the movie's about, but that's like she is an heiress, though. They keep that part of her backstory, and it's like the only thing they say in either animated movie. They have this like one throwaway line about it, and. Uh, and that's it. But in the book, she's the wife of a fur dealer who sells overseas. And that's the plan. Ah, okay. So they just kind of combine all of her stories and like mix and match within this saga of, of Dalmatian. Yeah. Pulling pulling ideas out of a hat. Like, what is Cruella in this yeah. one? What is this one? And what's weird is that the Cruella movie has every opportunity to be like, let us tell you like which of the adaptations which one is true. we're saying is canon or yeah. Right. Like what's that supposed to be a prequel to? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. Like, Nope. Boom. Surprise. We're going to Maleficent your ass. Yeah. They did Maleficent it a little. I liked the movie for the record. I liked Cruella. I liked but... Emma Stone. Yeah. Okay, this is another iteration where I loved the person they chose hated the story. Yeah, I hated the movie. I absolutely I watched it for the first time today and it just it it didn't feel like it fit at all. Like it was it was good as a standalone, sure. But like none of it lines up or makes sense with how she turns out in any of the other adaptations of of the Dalmatian story. She doesn't want the dogs, she doesn't care about them, she just wants justice. And then she gives Pongo and Perdita to Anita, who is like randomly her assistant or something at the end of the movie. I thought she kept wait, those two dogs were there were three of them. No, she gives she gives they have puppies and she gives a puppy to Anita and a puppy to Roger. Yeah. So really it's a big question on online if all of the 15 puppies are just inbred sad creatures because their mom and dad supposedly and Cruella came from the same litter. That is so fucking senseless. Why would they put that in? That's what I'm talking about. It's, yeah, it's just them trying to be like, haha, we tied this together in some way. It's, it's a reference. It just feels so standalone by itself. Like it just it, yeah. it's the the wrong puzzle it's the right shaped puzzle piece to the wrong full picture. Right. Exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I enjoyed it as a standalone, and I think Scott's right. I liked Emma Stone. And then... I think she killed oh, it. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, she was great, but it just didn't. She also had the really good, like, crazy manic look when she was driving. She did really well with that. Yes. And I I liked Horace and Jasper in this. So I I really liked Horace and Jasper in the original live action. Yeah. Um, Especially seeing, you know, Dr. Hausen and Arthur Weasley as as these goofy henchmen. Um, But in Cruella, they're much less henchmen-y and more people. Like, you feel like they're They're real characters. Yeah, they're like, she... And she's nice to them. Well, I mean, kind of like towards the end when she starts losing her way or whatever, because she has to, because it's a redemption story. She starts being like a bitch to them, but then eventually she's like, I'm sorry. Like, I need your help. And they're like, oh, we never gave up on you. I mean, you kind of can't see how it could turn into what it is by the time they're at 101 Dalmatians, where like they are henchmen. It's it's an alternate reality. That's what it is, where she isn't a psychopath. Or well, yeah. she isn't a fur-toting psychopath. She is, she's off the rails at parts of that movie. But yeah, she doesn't give a fuck about fur. She wants her title and the life. That's that, true. That the Cruella has nothing to do with fur. And what I just can't figure out, like anywhere in any of this, is just why does she want to kill these Dalmatians? Except. For that she's just sadistic and she just wants to. Like, she just thinks yeah. it looks pretty and she wants to. And and she was told no. She, she, that's, I think that's she the biggest one. She wants everything that's out of grasp. Like, like the tiger, everything. She wants what she can't have. And so she wants to feel good about being able to get it. And I yeah. did like the inclusion of the tiger in the live action at the very beginning that, like, she's getting these illegally poached animals to make furs out of, like, that this is, like, her game was a nice setup. Yeah, it setup. sets it up. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it, too, is the not committing to one finite story. So they have this, like, loosey-goosey. Like, because in the anime when she's just obsessed with furs. And in... The live action one, it's part of her business, but she is also still just obsessed with furs. But it just, it nothing seems to stick. So they're allowed to be a little like up in the air with how they, they kind of tote her around. Yeah, they're allowed to interpret her a little bit differently in, in whatever fits. Yeah, it's, and there's, I just had an example. It's on the tip of my tongue of, oh, it's like the Joker. Keep it open yeah. and play with it however you want, right? Which I can get down with, actually, as a as a way to like a, a lens through which to understand Cruella, to think of her kind of like the Joker. Like we're not really supposed to fucking get it. Would is a nice way to think about it. I think it makes me feel better. And if, and go ahead. You shouldn't really get. I mean, this is not my problem with Cruella is they they wanted you to like relate to her in some way, and it's like. All of the other adaptations of this, you're you don't want to relate to this. You shouldn't be relating to her. (laughs) There is no reason that you should like this lady. Dude, they do it for Cruella and Maleficent. Yeah, but I could I can get down on a on a woman scorned revenge against No, I get that. That's fine. Just not Cruella. Call it a different story. Exactly. You know, and that's what I'm saying. In in Maleficent, I, I I could get down with that. That I could almost understand, but here I just why, why are you wanting to relate to someone who steals puppies and wants to, you know, 
skin them, drown them, bash them over the head, you know, like. Oh, yeah, that's right. She lists them all like that. Poison, drown them, bash them on the poison, head. Poison, drown them, bash them on the head. and That's straight from the book. Well, and th- that's funny that you say that because her di- the, her dialogue's almost verbatim in the animated and the live action. Because it because it's from the book, it's one of the th- is one of those things like when we did a Christmas Carol and we found all the stuff that just it it is in every version of it. This is one of those, like uh like Lucky being resuscitated. Yeah, it's what really didn't make sense though with Cruella. It's like okay, I understand. I understand that it's a 101 Dalmatians movie and therefore there need to be like dogs in it. Right. And the dogs in Cruella were cool, but it made her like an avid dog lover and like a skilled trainer who we're supposed to believe one day is going to decide to murder hundreds of puppies. Like it's completely insane. And they weave in this thing where it's like the Dalmatians that she has at the end that she keeps they're the dogs that murdered her like mom or the woman she thought was her mom. And like she, and she has the opportunity to take those dogs who actually did kill her mom, which is like the worst motivation ever for Cruella. But also I like, I would have taken it right. If they'd rolled with that, but she has these dogs. She has every opportunity to skin them and turn them into coats and doesn't when she actually has like a revenge motivation to do it. And we're supposed to believe that like 15 to 20 years later, she's just like, yeah, fucking get me all those Dalmatian puppies. Like, yeah, there's no way. She's like a dog lover. I just, I don't get, she inherits the dog. She has Dalmatians. They're hers, Why would yeah. she want to murder them? And she proves that she can make dope Dalmatian print clothes with no budget and no dead Dalmatians. Those are the dogs that killed her mom. She should have skinned them and worn them as a coat, as a trophy of I got my revenge. And that's how the movie should have ended. Just like the Joker was like, I killed Morty. He made fun of me on national television. uh, And now I've created chaos in Gotham. It's a terrible fucking act. But that person got their closure. That's what the movie, that's what Joker is. And people who idolize the Joker don't do that. Do not do that. I agree Um, with you. I think she should have actually killed those dogs in this movie. And I know that Disney can't do that because this is a Disney like. Well, that's what I mean. Like it has to end with her being the bigger person. And that's why I have a problem with all of these movies, these, these movies that turn villains into redeemable characters. Maleficent was evil for evil's sake. She didn't get invited to the party. She hated the fucking woodland folk. But in the live action, she's like, I'm the guardian of the woodland folk, and I'm going to fall in love with the child I poisoned or cursed. And in this, she's like, I literally kill dogs for no reason other than I was told no, and I like the way their fur looks. But in this, I want revenge. And, oh, cool, these dogs are actually pretty sweet. I'm going to keep them. No, fucking, that does not work for me. No, absolutely I would have been cool with, like, a story that was like, here's how she was, like, not a nightmare for a little while, and... The opposite of a redemption arc would have been nice just to see her just becoming evil. Just see her be like, no, fuck it. I'm going to kill dogs and like end that way and set up 101 Dalmatians. Like that's what, yeah, just set up the movie that you're a prequel to. It it made no fucking sense. And, and then, I mean, and then we get to like the actual, her actual plan after Cruella and this doesn't make any goddamn sense either. Right? Yeah. 
I just, I, I don't know. I, I have so many questions and I have, I just have so many problems with, dude, just let them be evil. It's fine. Let them be evil. We are, she is an established villain of Disney. Don't rewrite this. And I think people can't help it. I think we're in an age where we're running out of ideas. And I've said this before. I said this before when we were talking about Sleeping Beauty. I think we just like, they're like, hey, you know who would be like a really cool. I just had a really good idea. Sorry. I just like right in the middle of my sentence. But it would be like them making a, a movie about Clayton and then turning him into the hero. Yeah. it That's so dumb. But if you say that too loud, they're going to hear you. It's true. I will. Yeah. Wait, I'm gonna who's keep, I know they will. The the hunter from Tarzan. Oh, sure. <laughs> the one with arguably one of the top three most gruesome deaths in Disney history. I don't know. Because Tarzan it's one of the only well. ones we see. I'll take your word for it, but. He's a dude that hangs himself. Oh, Jesus, does he? I mean, yeah. accidentally. But... Well, accidentally, yeah. But he's trying to get to Tarzan. And he's tangled up in a bunch of jungle vines and he cuts one too many. And he plummets to the ground with one around his neck. And I mean, obviously, if you know how it works, you know it snaps his neck. But when Tarzan gets to the ground, lightning flashes and you see the shadow of his hanging dead body on the tree. Fuck. Well, yeah, I look forward to talking about that when we get to the Renaissance. Yeah. But like, here's a movie Shit. where this would be a good model. A woman scorned, wanting vengeance model. Ursula. Because it is long established that she was in love with Triton. And he turned her down publicly in his court. And she hates him. That makes way more sense to me. If they were to do a live action of Cruella as turning her into like a hero or something. Or like a... a of you Ursula, know. you mean? Yeah, of Ursula. That would I would be way more on board with that than Cruella. Or Maleficent. Well, because the reason for that though, right? The reason that it's different with characters like Maleficent or Cruella versus Ursula is Ursula's motivation for what she's doing in the main story is like pretty clear, right? Like she has a vendetta with Triton. We know that we don't need to know what it is in the little mermaid. We know that she has it. And then she has this opportunity to kind of like fuck over Ariel and end up in a position of power, right? That's enough. We don't need any more details than that for that to work. And it doesn't really matter what came before it so long as there's a vendetta. And so all they have to do, they can make her as sympathetic as anything. It doesn't matter. She could totally be the hero. All she has to do is have a vendetta and then become bad when she's given this opportunity with Ariel, right? But with characters who don't have any kind of motivation. qualities. Or motivation. Well, it's like think, yeah, like think about like this, like Cruella. We're like, I have no fucking idea why she wants to do this in the main movie, right? So it could be anything, but if you make her into like a good guy, the only setup we have for Cruella is that like she's evil. So you're right. Like if you take that away in the prequel, then it stops making sense. But you could you could take away evil from Ursula, and she and as long as there's a vendetta, then you're fine. So it's it's that's the problem with these these villains who are evil for evil's sake and don't have any motivation. And then you try and do a prequel on them. You can fuck it See, up. I was going to say, and you do fuck it up and you do fuck it up. Yeah. 
you do even though the movies yeah. do really well like maleficent even got a fucking sequel which was awful but this got a sequel dude fucking 101 dalmatians oh, well, got a sequel not cruella but still like that was <laughs> yeah. mostly about glenn close i think you're right to well, call yeah, out ursula as someone who would be a good a good villain to have a prequel that was sympathetic towards no you know what it is you know what it is it would be like jafar getting a movie like this but it turns out jafar wants the lamp to save a dying sister telling you scott i i know you're gonna give him ideas i know i need to shut up (laughs) it's gonna get back to them someone's gonna listen to this and be like holy shit God, I hope not. This is enough Dalmatians movies. No, we don't. Although, you know what? They could potentially fix this with a Cruella sequel. And because of Emma Stone, I'd be down. Because this wasn't terrible by itself. It's just when you think about it for more than a second, right? And yeah, they could do a sequel that sets up more of like, and now this is why I became evil. Because that's what this movie didn't do. It doesn't tell me why she became evil at all. Like it, it yeah. tells me that she's kind of a bitch sometimes, but it doesn't really tell me why she would plan to kill all these puppies later. She loves dogs. It directly makes that not make any sense. So I don't, I don't follow. No, it just it's it's a train wreck, and it's supposed to end without the intent to have a sequel. She got her closure. Closure. Her movie is over. She's done. She's not going to turn around and be like, "Hey, you know those dogs I gave you? I want their fur." Well, and so how does she, how does she get there? Like, why does she want to kill all these puppies? And it's just, this is just the most unbelievably thought out plan ever to murder a hundred dogs. It's also a terrible plan. First of all, the only reason I personally, I really feel like the only reason she went after Anita and Roger's dogs is because Roger told her no, because she apparently had no problem getting 84 other dogs. Yeah. Well, that's, what's weird, right? And in, in the animated version, and I think only in the animated version, those other dogs are bought and paid for, they say. They're like, yep. no, yeah. all of us came from, like, breeders and stuff. Shelters and breeders and shit. Yeah. In the book, they're all stolen. Like, it's a whole racket. And I think in the live action, too, they're all stolen. But in the animated, it's like, why would you go after your friend's puppies when you already had, like, 85 puppies? Not to What's mention, you're now the fucking prime suspect because you made Seriously. such a huge deal about it you are there's no one in the world they would ever suspect more than her but they say the scotland yard investigated her already well yeah she hid them somewhere else so she's like not living in deville manor she's probably living somewhere in london yeah and that's where they searched like they searched her place in regent's park but not the manor but like What's wild to me about this and why I think you're right that it is just because Roger told her no is that the only reason that they have to rush to get any of this done or that they have the police on them at all is because of those puppies. Otherwise, yeah, if they had never they taken those dogs, she'd give some shit. Yeah, she, yeah. And if, especially if you bought them fair and square. What does it matter? Those dogs could have gotten bigger. She could have made bigger, bigger, better coats from them. That's not, I, that's and the worst sentence that has ever come out of my mouth. I but. think it's horrible, right? But that is the plan. Um, in like in the animated one, Jasper and Horace say they're not big enough right now, and she's like, "I don't care. The cops are on us. Skin them." And in the books, it's the same thing. The intent is to keep them until they're older, but it's like, and and Cruella says, 
all right, well, we have the cops on us now, so we're going to do this now, and then we'll just start again. Like, as soon as the cops are off of us, we'll start again, because the plan is to sell them through her husband's fur business overseas. So they're, but in the live action, they say that you need them young, because that's when it's softer. I thought that was interesting. When they're softest, yeah, I remember that. It's the only version. Which I don't think that's true. I, I don't. They would have the least amount of fur, right? Yes, when they're they younger? have like puppy puppy fur. Puppy fur is different than adult fur a lot of times, especially with like the coarse short hair like Dalmatians have. Uh, they have like puppy fluff. Yeah. But to note on that, there's also fluffy long haired Dalmatians. So I don't, I don't know. I don't understand the wanting to make a coat out of something that's like short haired and coarse anyway. Yeah, what it'd the be fuck? Like wearing, yeah. It'd be like wearing cowhide, you know, like, I don't know. I think it's the pattern, and they try to weave this into, like, the animated sequel has her, like, really fascinated with the dot pattern. She tries to replace her fur obsession with with art. She has somebody painting dots. And right, and like, she becomes obsessed with the pattern. That's right, I remember that. Yeah, so I think part of it is that, and but I really think that it comes down to to ego as far as like why she would want to take these dogs i think that has to all come down to ego because it fucks all it of her plans be. oh yeah like, it it's the catalyst for the undoing of her entire scheme yeah and her entire life like she goes to jail right like it's all yeah in the books i don't think she goes to jail i think it, i think they never find out that it's cruella because the dogs solve the problem so adequately that uh i think it's she's just ruined though they yeah, in in the book, uh, with the help of the puppies, they at one point camp out at Cruella's house because she's like searching the manor and they've already escaped the manor and they're like at her place and her cat is like, no, y'all have like a good minute. You can crash here. And <laughs> yeah, and the cat is like, yo, also, if you let all 101 puppies into the basement that's where her husband keeps all the furs and you can destroy them financially and the puppies go into the basement and just like they make a big risk like pongo has to like explain himself to mrs she's like what the fuck are we still doing here and he's like no for real we have to destroy the basement i sent all the puppies down there like it's crazy this book was awesome it really was i kind of want to read it now it was sick. It's only like a three hour audiobook. Like it was, it's not long, but a lot happens in it. A three hour book. Sorry, I just got the. Damn it. I hate that I did that. <laughs> I just got the fucking Gilligan's Island theme song stuck in my head. But yeah, it's this whole thing feels very personal, right? And it is. Like there's no way it couldn't be. That's, I'm, I'm only saying that because they're, ha- I'm looking nay demanding an explanation for this and it just doesn't there is come none. there 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 is the problem is they they wanted her to be likable and yeah and so there's there's no it like jumps from point a in cruella to like point five in 101 dalmatians like there's no connection there it just doesn't make sense and i could have like whoever wrote this movie sit down in front of me and try to explain it and i'd just be like no you're you're wrong like this, this isn't okay <laughs> she has i mean I her motivation is really mysterious it's so and just the fact that cruella exists and doesn't answer it is crazy 
Like it, there's know. so many questions about why this is happening and it just, I, but I, did you guys pick up on like, I felt like this whole issue with Cruella in the animated one was like a real strain on Anita and Roger's marriage. Do you guys feel this? When she first showed up, yeah, because it was like Anita was trying to be like, no, she's fine. Like, it's whatever. And Roger's like, she's a fucking terrible person. Do not let her back in this house. It felt to me like Anita was trying to be polite. And yeah. Roger was just like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to play my trombone as loud as I can at the floor and stomp around and be as obnoxious as possible. And Anita's just like wanting to be a gracious host and, and a nice person and doesn't know how to tell this this lady that she went to school with however many eons ago to fuck off. <laughs> I guess yeah, that could be yeah, it. Just point. trying to be polite. She just doesn't have the vocabulary to tell her to get yeah, the fuck you're out just, of her house. Just an overly polite, just sad, sad situation. Yeah, actually, you're right. Anita has no talent for boundary setting. That might be the problem here. I mean, they got married after, what, 25 minutes? So <laughs> boundaries are not their strong suit. Man. Yeah, because yeah, it's, like, it's weird yeah. that Anita puts up with it, right? That it like they obviously both hate that she's coming over, but Anita is somehow fine with it. It's really weird. And then... The plan to kill the dogs itself. Like. What is the plan here, though? Like, are they really yeah. just going to, like, take them out? It's a hundred dogs. The do the <laughs> other dogs are going to see this shit happening and be like, oh, uh, nope. Like, they're going to club them to death? Like, they. Yeah. And at one point in the books, Horace and Jasper, because they're like, they don't. They would like prefer not to murder a hundred dogs, right? And they're kind of freaked out by this, except that they're excited it might get them on TV. And they're like, "What happens if we stop feeding them? Will they kill each other?" Yeah, they would actually. I mean, but how horrific is that? Like that—that's part of their plan. They're like, "This sounds like a shitty task. Maybe we should just not do it, and we'll just see if it sorts itself out. If we just like don't come back." And I'm like, "What the fuck, you guys?" Like. The plan to kill these dogs is horrendous. I It's so dumb. Yeah. Like it's really dark. The one thing that I I do think is really funny alongside this is they go with the bash them on the head thing when God, dude, this movie is making me such a terrible person. But know, poisoning right? them seriously would have been the, the simplest solution. By far. I just, I, yeah. I don't get it. I, I think it's just to like, to make us feel horrified by them by giving us lots of different terrible options. I think that's, yeah, yeah. It, it's to put a, a horrible, it's to, to vilify them even further. You know, you, you just have to, give you a little bit more to hate yeah i think that makes sense i think we had enough in this movie <laughs> dude i agree but but bits of this were cool like i did like the the underground railroad concept i like that part was cool everything Twilight away park. from cruella was was pretty enjoyable yeah i liked pongo and perdita i liked pongo was like wicked smart like he knew what the fuck was going on and you know they had a plan they executed it like they, you know, it was like 
I I liked it. I liked them getting all those all those fucking dogs back to London. Like that's fun. Them in the soot. I liked that. That okay. That was actually my favorite part when I was a kid because I didn't understand it and I didn't. It just it, number one. It showcases how fucking stupid Jasper and Horace are. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's like surely they won't think it's the same hundred dogs. Yeah, there's a hundred <laughs> of these labs just walking around in the snow. Pfft, okay. <laughs> No, I really like that. Like I, there, I was, I really didn't think I was going to like this story, but spending as much time in it as I did, like the bones of this are cool. Like the two dogs being like, "Well, fuck this, Scotland Yard can't help, so we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna run across the country and sort it out." Also, that's another like, uh, I feel like that's just a, a hardcore commentary on how useless the police would be if this actually happened. Oh, they wouldn't do a, yeah. a single thing. Like you can file, um, like for for theft, but they don't give a shit. So no, nothing. Not gonna, done. Yeah, no, they're not going to do anything. That's hard. Not for something that, that doesn't like that's not super valuable, and like who knows what. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if there's any real world world examples of dog napping like that. I know they're not like on like, that so... level. And I think everyone's like, dude, we've seen 101 Dalmatians. Like this shit doesn't work. <laughs> like, I feel like anyone would read that. <laughs> Surely like, no, you know mom and dad idea. dog will come and foil your plans. You can't <laughs> I know. They're like, dude, we don't have a giant ass and... fucking mansion in the London countryside to hide these dogs. No, it, it happens imagine. more than you think, but not for like I don't know, not for coat making or, you know, any anything like that. It it happens for far more nefarious reasons but like not grand scale so i don't not know like hundreds of dogs right like not at once yeah like, people get their dogs stolen from their backyard all the time but like you know it's it's not like there's not like a an underground ring of dog nappers who are working for some evil individual who just thinks that it's it's a good idea to to do all of this but <laughs> it it does happen it does happen a surprising amount like this is this movie this fucking story deserved a prequel that gave us some sense of what's going on because it is wild to think about it it's like surely if this is what the premise of your story is you're gonna have like a great backstory for the villain to do something this fucking crazy and they just I can't get over it, you guys. Like, I cannot let it go. It's just they, and then they made a prequel and just and made didn't it do worse. It. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? Ignored it's, the opportunity. It's so crazy. Well, here, here's my other question, though. If you're, I just forgot my question. Holy shit. It was about what Anna just said. Damn it. What um, did I just say? People are kidnapping dogs. Oh, yeah. Night. Yeah, well, not left and right, but yeah. Or, well, yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, no. Do you guys remember, I think it was last summer, or maybe the summer before, when Lady Gaga's dog walker got shot, and the dogs got kidnapped? Yes. Did no. Whatever happened with that? They got brought back. They, they did? Dogs. Okay. Yeah. I never followed up with that, because I don't give a shit normally, but I was like, this is such a weird fucking story from start to finish. These dudes just roll up. First of all, they didn't know it was Lady Gaga's dogs. They just saw this dude walking three really nice looking dogs, which is also a weird sentence for me to say. Um, and the guy was like, 
no, you can't. Obviously, you can't have these dogs. And they shot the dude. I'm pretty sure he lived. Um, but then they took the dogs. And I never, I never followed up with what happened. And I always thought that was like in the back of my mind. Every once in a while, I'd be like, "Wait, did what the fuck am I having these dogs?" Jesus, yeah, they got returned. And I, I just thank God that makes a better story than Cruella. So I think it does too. Yeah, which I think says a lot. Can I need? I need the of above all else. I need Pongo's religious whatever the fuck you're talking about. What is that? Yeah, okay, so you guys read C.S. Lewis? You guys read, like, Lion, the Witch, and the yeah. Wardrobe of the Narnia yeah, series? Yeah, of course. Okay, so that's, like, some of the most overt religious, like, undertones ever, right? Where it's, like, not even, Yeah, the like, cracking of the table and resurrection and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, subtext that just is, like, oh, oh, it's just text? Okay. Like I, you know, where it's, and and that's why I made a formal complaint to my teachers about this because I was like, when we're learning about things like subtext, surely this is what we should have been looking at, and and then it just became text, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? So they they come up on their like adventure home with all the dogs, and it's snowing, and it's like a really bad situation, and like they really need somewhere to be. And they stumble upon a church and we know it's a church because of the way the dogs describe it, but they don't say it's a church. So it's still kind of subtext, right? They're like, oh no, it's one of those big stone buildings. We're never allowed to go in there. We always get tied up and that must make it a bad place because dogs can't go there. So we assume that it's bad, right? And they have this whole thing where they both are like, Pongo and Perdita are like, God, fuck this place. Like we got to go in, but we're not supposed to go in. And the puppies are going in because they don't know any better. And all the puppies run into the church. And the church has like all of the cassocks out, right? Like the, the prayer pillows or whatever, like the pillows on the, Oh yeah. I don't go to church. What's it, what, you know, on the pews or whatever. The, 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 I don't know. I had to lie. Honest to God, I had to look it up. I was like the what? <laughs> that was really fun for me to listen to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like this is not, I'm not really speaking my language here guys. So bear with me, but Inside the church, all the cassocks are out and the dogs don't know what it is. And they're like, oh, my God, you guys won't fucking believe it. There's 97 dog beds in this building. <laughs> and Pongo and Perdita are like, oh, my God, this is so great. Like, why do we think this is a bad place? How come we're not allowed in here? Like, this is dope. There's all these puppy beds and then the perfect size for the puppies. And they spend the night there. And it's this like this like one sort of island of tranquility and safety that they have on their journey back which does take weeks like it's sketchy and it seems it feels like a lot more dangerous in the book and they're watching they're like looking up at the stained glass and it's it's mrs point of view perdita and she talks about how they watch all this tv right because tv's like this big theme through all of it and this is she thinks it's a tv and she's looking at the stained glass and she's like, this TV is so much nicer. It makes me feel so much better than watching the other shit that we watch on TV. And I have this like really calming, awesome feeling from it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like this weird, like they stop the plot to do this for a while to like talk about the emotions that the dogs have being in church. And then at the end they break the like dog point of view and it goes out into like a, a people's narration. And it's like in the next day when all the churchgoers came in, they thought 
Like they they like didn't know what to think because the the dogs at this point are covered in soot, and there's little soot piles on all of the cassocks. Right. And they like call it out by name, so then it becomes like text, and they just and it's you know something something yay church, and then the book ends with misses thinking about like they're watching tv and they're all together back home and she's like oh i so much preferred that tv in that other building that was so much nicer and it like ends with her thinking about how great church was it's it's fucking weird what the fuck that yeah so... that's I very like, cs lewis no words. yeah isn't it very c.s lewis where i was like oh this is some interesting little subtext from the dog's point of view and like yeah i totally get it they're in a church and they wouldn't normally be allowed in there and like this is kind of fun you know little little dramatic irony i see you and then i was like oh or we're just we're here we're just all the way here like it really felt like reading lion the witch in the wardrobe yeah that's a little insane it, but and it, it was nice though. And kind of out of nowhere. No, I mean that sounds nice. Yeah, like she's got this like calming presence in the middle of all this chaos and stuff. But that kind of if that's the only time that that stuff like occurs, that kind of came out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, it was strange, and but it did help frame, like I said before, the Twilight Bark and the altruism that you see throughout. Yeah, and that's what I mean with it's like it's nice. It's not sort of C.S. Lewis is more over your head and preachy. Right. This didn't feel preachy. It just felt like nice things like do good things for people. And like, you know, like the parts about church that are nice, you know, the parts that don't make me not be someone who goes to church where I'm like, oh, that was that was kind of, (laughs) you know, (laughs) find a way of like edging around how to say this. But you know what I mean? Where I was just like, yeah, okay, that was (laughs) that was wholesome and pleasant. Like it was. (laughs) But it came out of nowhere. I was like, what the fuck is happening? This whole, like, like they took a minute to, like, pause and have this religious experience. Pause. wild. Stop. Yep. I made that that joke. Yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was waiting. I've actually been waiting for that. And then the last thing that I just wanted to point out during all this dog talk, because, you know. Dogs are all right, but <laughs> dogs are all right. Yeah, they're they're fine. Dogs are fine. Tibbs is the, the real story or the real hero of the story. Yeah, Tibbs. I don't know why I knew that there was going to be a subject in here for him or a sentence in here for him. He's the best. He, they would never have gotten the puppies out in the animated without. Oh no, him. no way. Or even known that they were in there. Like Tibbs was like the key to the whole operation in the animated and it's book accurate in that he's the one to confirm that the puppies are in the Deville Manor and the puppies send out an SOS that they say is a save our skins which is very like AA Milne I felt like I liked it damn it I mean yeah he is he almost dies too when he goes into the house so yeah it totally yeah he's a badass but after they escape the house, doesn't he like not stay with them? Yeah, he doesn't go with them. He stays with the he colonel. He probably has and... to, yeah, take care of that denial old colonel. Oh yeah, the dude's sleeping in the. Uh... He he had some some problems. But no, the the Tibbs is book accurate. 
And then there's the other cat in the book as well, Corella's cat that has them destroy the basement. So there's a few cats in the story, which is great. I wish we'd seen that. Yo, I know it was awesome, but it would have added quite a bit of like exposition, yeah. like her other house and her husband. Like it makes it her that the husband makes her a lot less interesting because then it's she's doing it for him. Yeah, like it's part of like they are this dynamic, whatever. With her by herself, she's just insane. It's the fact that she stands to make a lot of money that makes it make more sense. Like in the book, I'm like, okay. That's a reasonable motivation. You guys are going to make bank. Why people want a Dalmatian coat, I can't explain. But if you think that you have a way to make a bunch of money and you're a sadistic fuck, then I get this plan. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that, That the book has the most reasonable explanation for what she's doing. But I I really like the the ambiguity in it, to be honest. That's fair. I'm I'm kind of okay with with uh keeping it as just her but again then we get into these problems and i'm just like spinning my wheels in the mud here but it's hard to lock down and there's a reason she's on afi's top 100 worst heroes and villains or like top 100 film heroes and villains i think she's like 38 or something she's 39 in 100 years 100 heroes and villains yeah yeah, she's only behind the evil queen and man, and I think man is like third. Yeah, and there, well, I think there's maybe some other Disney bad guys on that list, but yeah, she's she is on the list though, and she's awesome. She's a great villain. I really like her. I I gave her as a villain an eight and a half. I thought she was pretty good. It was just that. Like if I got a really good motivation out of Cruella, it would have been a ten out of ten. And the f- and and yeah. also, if there weren't so many versions of this in sequels, like if it was just the Agreed. original animated and maybe the animated sequels, I still might give her a ten out of ten. But Disney has had ample opportunity to explain this satisfactorily to me and has failed, and therefore Cruella is getting an eight and a half. But she is awesome. <laughs> what what are you guys giving to Cruella? Go for it, Anna. Um, so I give her a, a solid nine, and I agree. If if I had at least even just a short explanation of, hey, this woman's a psychopath, because and and she uses that word so often in Cruella, and I'm like, they could have just twisted that to define her as opposed to defining the Baroness, because she uses psycho and psychopath so much during that freaking movie that like. I, I wanted to scream. I just wanted to scream because she should have been the psychopath in that movie. I agree. 100%. Because she's yeah, just this totally. sadistic, nasty, conniving, egotistical, awful person. And when you apply that to puppies, you know, it's like you get That's 10 times cranking up worst. to 11 shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So if, if there was... I mean, you would just need a, a couple of sentences in all of these movies to just be like, yep, this lady's a fucking lunatic and we would all be satisfied because people are just crazy people just have issues but we don't even get that so i i give her a a solid nine because she is evil just pure evil but then pruella the, the the movie kind of takes that down to where i can't give her that full 10 out of 10 i think that's what it what it came down to for me too. I put her at an eight 
out of 10. So we're kind of right in the middle of everybody. Like we're all around that same field of eight. Upper eight echelons though. Yeah. Like, oh, like dude, she's, that's the thing. Like she, whether she has a good plot or like a good plan or not, she is one of the most iconic Disney villains of it's all time. easy to hate. Yeah. She's easy to hate. And that's the thing. I mean, she wants to murder puppies. It's the lowest. Yeah. Hang- it's honestly, it's like, it's the story is so fucking crazy. It is. <laughs> and I think, after this, when we get into the Disney Renaissance, we start coming up with villains who you could almost sympathize with for certain things. Like Gaston just is like a war hero who is self-obsessed. But if he had found somebody who genuinely loved him, like as much as he loved himself, which is impossible. Um, <laughs> but, or like Gaston. I know. Like <laughs> But, like, a really good example is, like, Hades. Hades is a bad yeah. guy because Zeus tricked him into into securing um, the underworld. And all Hades wanted was a slice of the pie on Mount Olympus. Hades' character is, is written in a way that he's easy to like. Exactly. To, he's to also fair, fucking hilarious. He's intentionally likable. I know. Um, and intentionally a, a comedic villain, whereas Cruella is... There's nothing. Sub- I don't know yeah. how they peg Glenn Close, Glenn Close for comedy in the Golden Globes either, because nothing about Cruella was supposed to be comedic, like in in my eyes. Anyway. Oh yeah, in no way. That's the whole thing. Like it's supposed. And again, you have to remember too. Like it's a kids' movie, so like her actions throughout have to be comedic to a child. They have to be animated, but right. That doesn't but, mean they have to be fun. Like, oh no, yeah, she's not funny in any way, shape, or form to me. In no way have I ever been like, dude, because like everybody knows, like I laugh at stupid shit. I laugh when people make weird noises, they fall down the stairs, or when Tweedledee and Tweedledum bounce off of each other, and it's like, bah, eh, bah, eh. like that shit cracks me up. Nothing that she ever does in any of these movies was I ever like, huh? Not even a chuckle, not even a courtesy laugh. She is the, it's just, I agree. She, but I have to go with the reason I have to downplay her is because her plan is really shitty. It's really dumb. It, she, she is the reason her plan fails. And just, yeah, her ego, right? If she had just been able, if she had left their dogs alone. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is all about being said no to. I wish that Cruella had, had like dug deeper into that. Like, like make that yeah. be the thing that we learn in her backstory that Corella just like will not hear no. Here's how it should have gone. It should have got the movie should have opened with the Deville Spider, which is her car, which is a beautiful fucking car. Um, pulling up to their home. I can't remember their last name. Anita and Roger what? uh it's different in different versions it's not darling fuck no they do say in some version it's darling but in the books it's uh something that sounds like darling but it's not it's like dearly or something like that the dearlies the dearlies that's what dearly okay thank you so if cruella if the live action cruella had started like this if it had been the her spider rolling up on the curb i can see it in my head and it pans up from the street and it shows the DeVille license plate. And we follow these really expensive looking, very classy boots up the stairs. 
the door opens and it's her when the puppies are born and that that her being no triggers a memory in her head and then we get the backstory of like i'm never going to be told no and da 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 we got a story about like her taking things for herself and being the development of her psychopathy I would have been totally fine. That's how the movie yeah, should have gone. Sounds, yeah, it, well, exactly. Like, they needed to find something to set up. And they didn't even set There's up, nothing. like... They just chose it, a completely different story. They didn't oh, run with the Dalmatians killed my mother. So, like... Where, where oh, yeah. With that? Cause, yeah, cause that's what thought... I'm saying. Like, they had every opportunity. They should have had her kill those dogs and say, fuck Dalmatians forever. They killed my mom. That's how this should have gone. And even though that's weak as hell and I would be still complaining about it, it, yeah. What a bad But what did you guys give the movie? Well, what did you guys give the, like, Did how did you rate this if you did? It's kind of, we're talking about a lot of different movies, so. I think overall, as a story, I had to play a little bit on my like childhood. So I gave it a six and a half out of 10. But this was never a favorite movie of mine growing up. I wasn't, a, we didn't have dogs growing up. So I wasn't like that added, you know, like attachment to it. Like Anna was the dog, the animal person. I've heard this a hundred times, like since she was she's been obsessed with animals um i have been obsessed with what my mother would refer to as the evil looking animals so like snakes and scorpions and heel monsters and shit tracks yeah and uh so i never got like a good movie representation re- representation of those you know you had like ka in jungle book and he was a bad guy and he was voiced by winnie the pooh so it was really fucking hard to like get behind him but this movie was like I couldn't, I was just like, oh yeah, it's a bunch of dogs and now they're black labs and oh no, the snow fell and then now they're getting away. I, if it was on, I would watch it, but I would never ask to put it on. So I had to give this one uh, like a 6.5, mostly for nostalgia. Fair enough. Okay. So not a huge fan. Anna, where'd you leave it? It's, it's hard for me because the live action holds such like a, a high rating but and the animate the, the original animated was good too but with all of the sequels and the little spin-off guys and stuff like that like it just brings this whole um what you call it, the dalmatian extravaganza it just brings it all down a couple of notches for me so i'll i'll leave it at a seven um Solid. but the live action like like I said, you know, I, I know it by heart. Like I know every, almost every line of that movie because I watched it so much because it was so cool as a kid to see all of these dogs and you get all of these different yeah. dog breeds, like in the the twilight bark. And as a kid, you know, if you're dog obsessed, you know, all of the breeds and you can point them all out. Like it's, it's a very cool thing, but with all of the, the patch sequel and the 102 Dalmatians and all of that, like it just kind of, kills it a little bit for me so I'll, I'll go at that seven i think that's fair i i was the nicest to this one i gave this a 7.8 um because i actually really like the story especially having read the book like give it like the story overall which is very consistent in all of the versions of it there's not any really big changes to the bones of the story and i was surprised to find that i really like it 
I thought I thought their escape from Deville Manor was super fun. I really enjoyed like their Martha network trying to get back to London. So I'm glad that we came back to this one. I but there's enough of it that doesn't track and like the animation is yeah. bad enough that it's like it's a 7.8. Like it's not and that's mostly for the bones of the story. And I really, really liked the book. I did, even though there were parts of it that were fucking weird. I will say this. I, having done this episode, I kind of do want to read the book. I found the audiobook on YouTube. So Did you? Okay. Yeah, it's it's there. Um with a decent narrator and like it was pretty it was pretty decent. Like it made me appreciate the movie more for sure. That's fair. I was surprised um, I hadn't read it before, to be honest. I didn't even know it was a book. I don't know. I said that at the beginning, but I didn't know it was a book. That's that was that was crazy to me that it was an actual yeah. book, and that it that it was a a novel, as opposed right. to just like a yeah, like a short book. story or something. Yeah, I mean it is short, but it's not any shorter than you know. It's like Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland length, probably. You know, a couple hundred pages. It's like, but it's. I don't know. It was good. And I, apparently the book has a sequel, which I did not get around to reading. And I read a, like a headline that said that it is fucking weird. So very tempted to report back on that. Like I just kind of ran out of time, but I was going to read that sequel and see what the fuck it's about. Because like I heard that it was, I heard it was really strange. I think it's called the twilight bark or something. And it's like supposed to be really weird. Yeah, so I might check that out. But overall, I found myself enjoying this this concept, this story more than I thought it would. And the Disney movie itself, it's not it's not bad. It's really it's not bad. There's aspects of uh I mean it's it's definitely a standout for its time. Like I think this was better than Sword in the Stone for sure. You would say that to me. Dude, come on. I mean, Sword in the Stone's fun and everything, but, like, that was shit. You just don't like the marvelous Mad Madam Mim. You know that she was the best part of that movie. It was, like, everything else. Like, but she was only in it for ten minutes, and, like, I... Yeah, like, his (laughs) whole episodic bullshit. No, it is a a terrible movie. But I still love... It's one of those movies I'll just put on in the background. This had, like, a linear fucking plot progression. Like, this is actually really good for Disney at the time, especially for how much episodic shit they did have in the early days. That's what I was going to say. So I will give Disney credit where credit is due. This is one of the first movies that we've covered in this era that wasn't, like, minor things happening that wove together to tell an overarching story. This was a problem that got solved and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah. It actually had a story. It's incredible. So I... I say 7.8 because I want to say I gave Cinderella like around an eight. So I'm not trying to like do anything crazy here, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I actually thought this was really good and big thanks to Rob for asking us and sending us feedback to, uh, to do this episode because this was really fun. Um, do you want to take us out of here, Scott? Do you want me to, I think we're about done, right? We're about done. Um, Anna, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. And Scott, I, I'm glad it took uh, the, the persistence of, of I know. me and then finally some, some other <laughs> listeners are like, dude, what the fuck? Because you just, you, you have to do it. You have 
You have to do it. I know. I just, yeah. Well, and credit, like, admission of, of expertise where, where it's due. Anna is also very big on Lord of the Rings. She's also the one that Andrew and I discuss Harry Potter with the most. So, absolutely, she will be coming back for both Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter if she would like to. Um, but yeah, Anna, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I'm sorry that it took so long for us to get here. <laughs> I'm glad we did. I'm really glad that we came back to this. I, I kind of am too. Like, at least we got it covered. And I did, I did enjoy the movies enough rewatching to say like, this wasn't a waste of my time, you know, but. Oh no, it definitely wasn't. I did. I did not love them. <laughs> I watched 102 Dalmatians and I st- and like made it through most of that movie. Like I, yeah, we we gotta yeah. we gotta give you a shout out for that one, Lindsay. I know that I, is yeah. fair. Yeah, I'm like here for this. I enjoyed this. This was no. I mean, it was. I'd never seen it before. Uh, it was, was it, the animated good. one. Patches you, London Adventure. I have and will continue to watch every animated Disney sequel, and I know. Uh, you know become a true expert on them and this was this was poor this was really really on the low end of the animated <laughs> disney sequels let me just state for the record like this was no cinderella 3 a twist in time let me be oh clear. no no this was no aladdin 3 and the king of thieves definitely not no this guy i can't wait to get there for a reason to watch that i mean honest to god so there have been some decent animated sequels this was not among them yeah um yeah, as always, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we hope you enjoyed yourselves and I mean, maybe even learned something. Um, definitely join us next week where we're doing another um, listener request. We're doing ET. Um, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find those links on our sites and social media on the episode description. If you'd like to support the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on Patreon or check out our website for all of the timeline goodies, past, present, and future and as always with the start of season two you know it's coming from myself and Lindsay. until next time guys stay nerdy